This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I'm Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz. Lance Glenn alongside as producer. We're coming to you on a Monday night, fresh off of the first day of spring practice here at Penn State. We were on the field for a bit for that spring practice period. We got back to Beaver Stadium's media room for the first time since February of 2020 uh, to have a chance to ask several questions of James Franklin, a very lengthy press conference kicking off spring ball. We're back to summarize some things, have some takeaways, talk a little bit about recruiting. There's uh, some transfer visitors on campus as well during the weekend. But of course, Sean, we begin with the obvious. Uh, the pads are back. The football is back out on the field. And session number one of 15 for spring ball is now in the books. Yeah, and it doesn't get much more beautiful than it was today in Happy Valley. I mean, we went out there, you, you know, expecting to get into Haluba Hall for, you know, that's kind of how we how we roll with spring practice sometimes. We were outside today. Uh, everything was great. Uh, it's just great to see football going on again. Obviously, we're here for football year round, but you know, when those 15 practices hit, it's something special. So it's, uh, it was pretty cool to see that. And uh, n- not a ton that we could take away from the the uh, the actual practice session. A lot of special teams work, a lot of, uh, f- you know, f- fumble security drills and things like that. But not, nothing, not uh, no active football, I guess you would call it, um, you know, with uh, 11 on 11, 7 on 7 or anything like that. So, um, but yeah, it was uh, it was just good to see them out there. Um, there's uh, things that pop up to you uh, just sort of automatically when you're looking at this team. That's uh, strength in numbers and not so much strength in numbers at certain positions. Uh, we talked about that with James Franklin today, talking about linebacker, talking about offensive line, just storylines that we're gonna that we've talked about all offseason. We're gonna continue to talk about it, but when you see it there in front of you, when you check out those uh, you know those listings or you see the depth chart that uh, that we have, then it's just. Uh, it, it, it hits you right in the face, kind of. And we saw some old faces out there on the field. Some of the guys are going to be testing this Thursday for the pro day. Jesse Lucchetto was over by the defensive lineman. Jahan Dotson was roaming around the field. Jordan Stout over with the specialists. But it was the new faces that always command attention here on the start of spring ball. Um, there are nine tr- nine uh, additions from the recruiting uh, class. You've got one from junior college and, and J.B. Nelson, an offensive lineman. We'll talk about him and how he may factor in in just a moment. He had the eight freshmen as well, um, graduating high school mid-year, coming to campus. That's headlined by the five stars, one at quarterback in Drew Aller, uh, one at running back in Nicholas Singleton. But their first chance to, to get their feet wet out on the practice field, winter conditioning, a big proving ground. Some guys excelled there. We've talked about that a bit. But now you're going toe-to-toe with, with third, fourth, fifth, and now sixth year in some cases, veterans at the college football level. And this is when you start to get a bit of a jolt and then adjust if you're that first-year player. And remember, a lot of these guys, normal circumstances, they'd be in high school getting ready for prom right now. 
and and it's funny when you look at some of these guys and you think how big they actually are and, and you know how big they're listed and things like that. Then all of a sudden they put the pads on and they go out and stand beside their 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 guy the, the guys at the same position that are a couple years older. I look at Zane Duran. I was watching the defensive line and Zane's Zane's not a very big guy. I mean he's six one two sixty. I think two sixty five is what James Franklin said uh, earlier today when he was asked about him in his press conference. So um, he, he doesn't jump out uh, jump off the page in terms of uh, like mass or size or anything like that but uh it's just funny to see drawler out there and nick singleton you know guys that 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 are bigger than their their classmates but you put them on a field of uh of for lack of a better term grown men uh and they uh they certainly stand out in a different way so um yeah you'll you'll see that you'll see guys that are just getting their feet wet getting a little bit behind you know just a step behind in drills because they're trying to figure out how a college practice goes and um, you know, I think they'll get up to speed and they'll be fine. It's a good group that they have here so far. Um, you know, I was, I was watching some of the special teams drills, guys like Amari Evans that, you know, you can see some of these traits that we've talked about for the longest time. Now, now it's time to put them into, uh, put them into action, but you see some of these traits sort of stand out amongst this group. Just traits that stood out, um, from that group, Nick Singleton, a little bit of burst there. You, you got a sneak peek, nothing, as you said, no contact, no 11 on 11, really just trying to get the handoff, the exchange down between quarterbacks and running backs. But you see when he hits the open field a little bit, he can scoot. And that's something we can't wait to see against the live action defense, uh, hopefully over the course of the spring at some point. And then while Bo, uh, not Bo Perbula, while Drew Aller has a ways to go and filling out that frame, Sean, you look over at that quarterback group, and we talked about where it was at the end of last regular season, not in a good spot. Right now, you see Bo Perbula added, Christian Veyu with an, another offseason of work. But Drew looks a little bit different than any quarterback this team has brought in since I've covered the program. They've had some really impressive athletes come to town. But you look at the stature with which uh, you know, measuring up against some of the other guys, including the 23-year-old Sean Clifford, it's easy to take notice of number 15 in that regard. I, I don't know if people realize how big he is, like how tall he is. I saw him uh, a couple of weeks ago. They had uh, something up at the uh, at the stadium, and uh, he walked through with some of his teammates. And he's a he's a good head taller than Nick Singleton. I mean, he's uh, he's a big. He's kind of like it's kind of like Trevor Lawrence. You don't you don't expect him to be six five plus. You know, just, just that much taller. He looks like a, a typical quarterback, the six four guy. But he he's he's got some size to add to that. But yeah, he's. He's different. I mean, you 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 look at Sean Clifford, and Sean Clifford is uh, sort of average physically. Christian Veyu maybe a little bit bigger, and then Bo Probula, I've probably just a smidge shorter than them. Uh, by by the way, two number nines. Uh, that that'll be fun to watch come blue white game. Christian Veyu sticking with number nine right now. Bo Probula with number nine. But Drew is definitely you know he he stands out in a in a physical and and sort of uh, metaphorical way um, when you're talking about uh, stature among those quarterbacks. We got a lot of intel on the offensive line today, at least uh, how things are shaping up as spring practice begins. You've got all these practices to kind of sort through uh, possibilities. You've got Hunter Norzad coming in, the, the Cornell transfer in May. But James Franklin uh, went to a place that we don't usually get to go to with him in this press conference and gave us the two deep for the offensive line um, on day one of spring ball and take it for what it's worth right now. But but let's just quickly go through that first team first, Sean. It's really what you have been projecting throughout this offseason. It's something that's come up in conversation here quite a bit during the podcast, of course. Need three new starters need to get a lot better in terms of performance. Here's what James Franklin says they plan to roll out first team, first practice. It's Olu Fashano at left tackle, Landon Tangwall at left guard, 
Juice Scrubs at center, Salim Wormley at right guard, and Caden Wallace at right tackle. Wormley out there in pads today, Sean. Um, not quite sure how much he will be a participant over the course of the spring, but the fact that he suffered a preseason injury last August, and here we are in March, and he's being mentioned aloud as a first-teamer right now at right guard, I think that's a very strong indication of optimism. Yeah, that's the big thing to take away from this. I mean, we did this uh, a couple, I guess, last week or two weeks ago on the site, uh, and it's it's exactly what, what we projected with the caveat that you wanted to see Salim Wormley see how much he could do this uh, this spring and see if he can get out there. And and there's no reason to push him and, and get further ahead than he needs to be, um, but just to see him out there at right guard because I think it's a it's, it's obviously a better option. You've got Golden Israel Chumba listed behind him. You've also got Alex Fermanek, um, who was uh, a defensive tackle, who was formerly a walk-on as a linebacker, I believe. Um, but he's a big, strong kid. Uh, you had to throw him over there just to, to help with numbers because numbers, they – stand out in a bad way. We'll say that uh, you look at the, the the amount of guys that they have, not only scholarship, but only one or two walk-on guys as well. Um, they're going to be struggling to field some units this year. If, if, or excuse me, this spring, as they continue to go on, I think a lot of that goes back to, uh, to Bryce Efner. He wasn't out there for the Outback Bowl. He wasn't out there for the end of the season. We didn't see him out there today. And that changes some things. You're going to have Jimmy Chris go from a backup right tackle to a backup left tackle. Have Ibrahim Traorty slide out as a backup right tackle. Um, and then you've got uh, guys like JB Nelson and Nick Dawkins backing up in the interior. Very, very thin, very inexperienced in that second team. But this is, this is the time for those guys to grow up. As of right now with Traore and Chris, your two second team tackles uh, who've been on campus a couple of years each, uh, one college game played uh, uh, combined. You had Jimmy Chris enter for that Rutgers matchup last year when the team was dealing with flu issues. Traore has never gotten into an Indy Lions contest. And uh, as of right now, potentially one snap away, one moment away from, from being called upon at tackle. Although Franklin did note here, what, while we didn't hear about Wallace moving to guard, Franklin mentioned Wallace being a guy they see as a tackle on both sides. So something to keep in mind when you talk about depth and, and if one guy were to go down, if something were to happen to Fashano, they see Wallace as a, as a guy who could play left tackle if they need him to. Right tackle is his home as it was last year and as it was at the end of his redshirt freshman year. I think you circle Caden Wallace as a guy who um, individually, if he can make that kind of progress, man, will that go a long way collectively for this group? But there's a lot of holes to fill. And and, and you look down that too deep. It's a lot of those 2010, 2020 signings that we've discussed on. Five offensive linemen in that class. One projected to start right now in year three in Olu Fashano. You go through this list, though. Chris, the second-team left tackle. Dawkins, the second-team center. Uh, Golden Israel, Achumba, second-team right guard. And Traore, the second-team right tackle. I know that this isn't a group that Phil Troutwine was involved in recruiting, but that's the group that he inherited in year one. That's the group that had to wait around during the pandemic to actually get out on the practice field. And here they are a couple of years later. They're really at the crux of, of, of the present and the future for this offensive line because if, if too many of these guys fizzle out, you're in a really bad spot. And if you hit on a few more of these guys, maybe we were figuring going into the spring, uh, well, then that could help stabilize things for you. But as usual with this offensive front and and, and what we've got ahead in the 14 practices, uh, Phil Troutwine has a lot of work to do. And their, their most notable uh, addition to the roster this year on the offensive front, we think, Hunter Norzad, he won't be around until summer. 
Yeah, and uh, the good news is there's a lot of room for growth and potential or growth and progress there on the offensive line. The bad news is there's a lot of room for growth and progress there because they've got a long ways to go for some of those guys that have not played much football at all, and 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 we'll see where they're at. And uh, Norzad coming in is is encouraging uh, to add depth and talent, but that, that's a thin unit to begin with. It's a talent uh, talent uh, deficient unit uh, to begin with as well. So you've got uh, plenty of questions there for Phil Troutwine and. Uh, like last season, they're they're not going to go away quickly. And last season, Wormley sounded like the guy who was going to win the starting job uh, at left guard, where you ultimately had the Ivy League transfer uh, taking over for the duration of the regular season after the first couple possessions of week one. Uh, Wormley uh, now on campus uh, ahead of another Ivy Leaguer. We'll see what he can make of this spring ball. As we said, though, it's fair to wonder just how much he can accomplish physically, what kind of pace will Penn State set for him. And then you apply that to the two guys that that are you know been in a lot of spotlight for us uh, on the defensive line, uh, Adiza Isaac, Akeem Beeman. I think some people forget Sean that Akeem Beeman did spend last year with the team. He practiced with the team. Adiza Isaac attended practices, but you know not dressed, not not competing as he recovered from uh, an offseason injury, a non football related injury. Now they're both back. James Franklin saying both are special players and both can make an impact. But he's very careful to categorize them separately, and I think that's important. Yeah, he went kind of went out of his way. Obviously, last year, Adisa showed up on the injury. I don't want to say injury report because Penn State doesn't do one, but it was obvious that, it, that he was injured, Beeman dealing with some off-the-field stuff that he had to, to work through, some maturity uh, comments there from James Franklin today, some, uh, some comments about his focus and his trajectory, and, and, and again, tremendously talented guy. I mean, this is a guy that you want in your defensive line rotation – but he's got to earn. He's got to get there. Um, uh, on the other hand, you've got to get a fully healthy, fully healed Adisa Isaac there. So you've got two sort of divergent uh, storylines with these guys, but they're going to be intertwined because they were uh, absent in 2021. Um, but yeah, both of these guys could go a long way. We saw Adisa Isaac, obviously limited. Obviously, they're trying to hold him back, which is the right way to go about it. There's no reason to throw him out there. Like I said, there's no games in the spring to win that Adisa Isaac can uh, help you win. But uh, he was out there going through drills and things like that today. That was good to see. And and Akeem seems physically ready to go. He's playing on the interior as we projected him to do for, for uh, over a year now. Um, so hopefully he can he can do what he needs to do to stay on track to be that guy to, to help that rotation. Because those guys um, you know, we, we've seen it with the defensive line in the past. Uh, just every body that you need, you have to have on deck. And those guys are are talented players, and and you, you want the more of those guys available. I know your biggest takeaway on the defensive line was uh, the sad case of Jordan Vandenberg cutting his hair before That's spring change, camp. Um, and, and although he didn't pop off the field, uh, well, you know, again, what we saw was – we didn't see much, uh, but but certainly has been popping up uh, in a lot of ways for this coaching staff. Zane Durant, once again, um, it brought his name up to James Franklin during the press conference today, and he ran with it, um, saying he feels Zane Durant is trending toward, quote, an unusual role. And he calls it an unusual role because you just don't see defensive tackles hit the power five level, work their way into being contributors uh, immediately. And it sounds like Zane Durant, at least through his first few months on campus, with a big stretch ahead of him here on the practice field, is poised to potentially do that. And and no no true freshman defensive tackle here has burned redshirt status since P.J. Mustafer, who was a top 100 prospect, has gone on to be an all-Big Ten player. Um, and with Durant, uh, 
saying pushing 270 pounds now, uh, Sean, according to James Franklin, showed up at around 260, I believe. He's adding weight. They think he's he's going to carry it well. Um, and all the testing that, that, that we talked about, that's all great. And that was uh, tremendous for the start of his career, laying the foundation of this buzz. Now here comes the next phase, going up against these offensive linemen, getting the critiques from guys like John Scott and Dion Barnes and Manny Diaz and veterans, and then applying that. Um, you just continue to hear him pop up. When James Franklin goes on and on about this young man, once again, a few hours before his first college football practice, that does stand out because James Franklin, quite tight-lipped when it comes to players who haven't proven much on the field yet. Yeah, you look at his trajectory this offseason, and we put that report out in, I think, January about how he was standing out. And then it sort of started, it started as a groundswell of, of people asking about him and things like that. And I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves and say, this kid, he's a def- he's a freshman defensive tackle. They don't play. This is what happens uh, with freshman defensive tackle. And then I was talking to some people in the program. I think I said this on the show a couple of weeks ago. And they're like, yeah, he's going to crack that rotation. He's going to try and crack that rotation at least. And all right, man, I'll take you for your word. Um, it seems like James Franklin is is ready to say these things. And I think, you know, a lot of the things that James Franklin says measured and I, I don't want to say predetermined, but he thinks about these things uh, before he goes into that media room. And uh, w- when asked about Zane Durant, he says he's got a chance to have an unusual, unusual role. Then he, of course, compared him to Kevin Givens, as we often do. And, mm-hmm. and, and it kind of makes sense from there. Um, but yeah, just seeing him, uh, the, we, we didn't get too many good shots of him uh, because he's ba- basically standing in a crowd today at the, at the at practice, but he's going to have to add some size to be, be consistent. But at the same time, does he have to be consistent for 25 snaps, 30 snaps? No, he doesn't. He's a, he's a freshman guy that you can rotate in there and maybe you can get him in for a few plays and he can do some good things at defensive tackle. So I don't know, man. Um, it's, it's one of those things where you don't want to put the cart before the horse, but but when James Franklin comes out and says that this guy can have a role uh, day one or year one or whatever it may be uh, with his defense, I think that's worth listening to. Yeah, up, up, up from Florida and and off to a fast start and, and kind of speaking about James Franklin's reluctance to throw too much praise or too much spotlight on a guy who hasn't participated in a practice yet. You saw a little bit of that when, when Nick Singleton and, and, and Drew Aller were asked about during the press conference today. One thing that happened at the quarterback spot, he said, you know, it's going to be important to get these guys reps for evaluation at quarterback. Uh, you know, some days that might mean that, that Sean gets to step to the side and have one of those veteran days and Christian Veyu is getting some reps with the one and then you got Drew and Bo maybe going two and three right now. It sounds like rotating at three and four. That's what you'd expect for the two early and old freshmen. And then Singleton, you know, you put him in with the other freshman, Katron Allen, top 24 seven prospect coming to campus. The guys who are back here, Keziah Holmes, Kevon Lee, Devin Ford, uh, Franklin kind of showing some respect to the guys who have been here, but also saying that to this point, both Allen and Singleton have checked off the boxes as blue chip kind of prospects. And as I said, just a little flash here and there, getting a chance to see Nick Singleton on the practice field, uh, quickly standing out just, just with that burst. Uh, again, I think there's just there's not really a lot of running backs who can step onto a campus and you can say that guy was definitely a five-star coming to campus because – Really, only five stars do that, Sean. We've seen a bunch of running backs show up here, even the guys who are high four stars and, and, and guys who are top two prospects. It takes a while for them to kind of gain that footing 
Singleton, the number one ranked recruit at running back in the entire nation by 24-7 sports. Not saying he's going to go light the world on fire on this practice field, but I think you will see some separation just in terms of that innate natural talent. And then we'll see what J1 Slater can do with it. Yeah, and, and you look at the positions where guys can make an early impact and running back is certainly right up there. Um, as, a, as a freshman, he can come in and play and he has that opportunity to do so. And on top of that, you know, that, that room can use an extra reset or he can use a reset button to get started again. So we'll see what happens with Singleton. Uh, James Franklin was asked in his press conference today about resetting the running game itself and what you can do to things. And and they know it was not good enough and they know that they need to do some things. And uh, Mike Yersich was one of those uh, had one of those self-scouting moments where he was kind of the guy ahead of the curve saying, hey, this stuff's not working. we got to figure something else out. What they do with that, it remains to be seen because that's a very big question. Mike Yersich, there's a lot of pressure on him this offseason to deliver upon the hype that, that that was bestowed upon him and based on his previous stops. Uh, you know, he certainly hasn't had too many years where he's having the criticism that he's having right now. So it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. Um, and on top of the running game stuff, you're talking about the the continuity with Sean Clifford in the, se- in the second offseason with Mike Gersich, how everything is coming about. And, and really, after watching last season, can't wait to see any sign of improvement there because, I mean, that was uh, that was tough to watch by the end of the year last year. So hopefully everything that they're saying is, is going to come to fruition and they'll be able to, to work through some of these problems. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Yeah, Franklin mentioned a few of those positional coaches, aside from Mike Yersich's guys who stepped up and took responsibility, accountability, and trying to fix this thing. You mentioned Ty Howell, tight ends coach, Jay Wan Sider, the running backs coach, of course. And um, we'll see. At this point, I feel like James Franklin could pretty much promise just about anything from this ground game. And until we see it take shape in September, it's going to be a hard time for people to put two feet on the bandwagon and buy into this rushing attack, taking a huge step forward. Uh, but it's going to have to happen if Penn State wants to get to where they need to be. And also to validate Mike Yersich coming on board, as you said, and, and as James Franklin said, uh, that was not did not meet or exceed uh, any expectations they had for year one. And, of course, now same quarterback, same offensive coordinator. Been a while since that happened at Penn State. Will that pay off and, and how might it pay off? Uh, over on defense, Sean, linebacker we've talked about this it's an area that needs to be addressed oh, uh, we? It, <laughs> oh, well the two names that we've talked about quite a bit at mike linebacker were, were, that's where james franklin went kobe king year two tyler elsden year three and he threw in this caveat though after you know talking about king and elsden and, and and sharing a bunch of reps and splitting reps and getting evaluated hard at the mic role 
He's not here yet, but James Franklin stating Abdul Carter, the four-star linebacker who signed with Penn State back in December, they feel like among every prospect they signed in the 2022 class, he may have had the best senior season. There were some heck of a senior seasons when you look at some of these dudes that, that just joined the program. Yeah, I mean, you look at uh, Abdul Carter, and the first thing that jumps out to you is says he's he's going to play in the box. He's going to be a linebacker when he gets here because we've talked about him being an eventual edge player, though. I think that's one thing to take into account here. The second thing is you look at the guys that he mentioned before, Kobe King and Tyler Elsden. These are guys that were sort of you know known as – good instinct guys being in the right position, maybe lack a little bit athletically, um, a little bit different. That's kind of the flip side with Abdul Carter. Abdul Carter's off the charts uh, athletically, but he's never been asked to read and react and do all those kind of things. So that's an interesting thing to me is when you're talking about projecting who's going to be your mic. And I don't see Abdul Carter being the starter or anything as a freshman, but who's going to be your mic. You have this super athletic guy that's, that hasn't played the, the position all that much against these guys that have been essentially lifetime linebackers and, and really good players and really good things, but maybe don't have the dynamic athletic ability. And that'll, that'll be something that's, that's interesting to watch because I know Penn state fans are, pretty frustrated at times with the way that it's come out and you've you've had some freak athletes at linebacker that maybe haven't you know you're walking you're looking at brandon smith a guy that you know you thought was was a combination of both and he was more athletic than instinctual um and and you have questions about whether or not this guy uh or what whether or not one of these guys that's super athletic can actually deliver that's a big that's a big question mark that i think penn state fans have so i'll be interested to track that but for now, I mean, you look at that and you're talking about a true freshman that's not even on campus yet as a potential answer for you at linebacker. That says something about where you're at there because you know you've got Curtis Jacobs um, backed up probably by Car Charlie Catcher, who hasn't played a ton of football here, Kobe King and Tyler Elson. Then you get out to the Sam position or the field position. I'm not even sure if they're still calling it the Sam, um, but you got Jonathan Sutherland, you've got Jamari Budden. Yeah, you're, you're looking pretty thin at that spot. Yeah, uh, we, we did hear about Sutherland. If case, in case there was any uh, one wondering about his status, he will be playing that field backer role, that Sam linebacker. Um, the question is, how often will we see Sutherland or any third linebacker out there? Uh, the, the fifth defensive back has been discussed quite a bit. It's, it's a bit of a hallmark with the three safeties. Sean, when you kind of line up this linebacker, depth and then what we see maybe being a, a bit of a luxury uh with what you have at defensive back compared to the rest of your defensive roster we talked about this quite a bit getting guys like daquan hardy on the field uh, and, and i think you probably start to add other names to that list john dixon zaki wheatley now uh, uh, shifted over to safety uh these players compelling prospects jonathan sutherland year six i i would say among fans maybe one of the more less compelling players on this roster. I think people feel like they have him figured out. Um, how do you balance those two things? Maybe the deficiency at linebacker and a potential surplus at defensive back, it would seem to be an equation that maybe can work in Manny Diaz's favor. That's a very good question. I, and I don't have the answer because as you mentioned, um, Jonathan Southern, I think you know what you're getting there. And I know that a lot of Penn state fans aren't particularly happy with what they're getting there is that, is that uh, hybrid type guy. So does that mean taking Daquan Hardy out of the equation? Does that mean switching from maybe a three safety defense to that, that three linebacker defense? Or, or do you just have Jonathan Sutherland play all those roles? He's smart enough to do it. I mean, he's obviously a guy that's been around for a long, long time, but is he athletic enough? He's going to be in the right spots and things like that. That's, that's the big question. So I don't know how they're going to pull that off. Um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Hardy. I think he can, he can go in there and be, 
Um, and it's it's not fair to say or to compare Jonathan Sutherland and Hardy because they're two different body types or two different athletes and things like that. But one is a hybrid of two positions. The other is a hybrid of another two positions. But if he's going to be your fifth guy in the secondary, you know, you, you can work around that. You can make that happen. So be very interested to see how they handle it. I don't know what the right call is. You got to have Jacobs on the field. You got to figure out how to, uh, how to work around that Mike situation and get all those guys, the reps possible, and then figure out with Sutherland and, and figure out if Jamari Budden can play as well. Because you've got uh, plenty of questions there, and you got to keep those guys healthy. I mean, you got what seven seven scholarship linebackers at this point, uh, getting a little thin there, and uh, you'd like to see the, the the best way to work around that. And, and as we know, um, working around things is is not the ideal plan of action for this uh, this team. They want to be able to work with things and and play on those strengths. And I don't know that it's there yet. Franklin noted that Sutherland, quote, gives us the best ability to get our best 11 guys on the field. He also shortly thereafter talked about in 2022 modern football, what you're looking for defensively. You're probably leaning towards a defensive back with linebacker traits and vice versa, a linebacker with defensive back traits. And that's what we heard about Curtis Jacobs early on in his career, played some safety at the high school level, of course, excelled across the field. Just a quick note on him. He's one of those guys I mentioned this to you coming off the practice field just looks different than last time we laid all his eyes on this team. I know that was in January. So, so I'm maybe getting ahead of myself. He's looking like a box linebacker though, Sean. And a couple of years ago, I wondered if, if that's where he would head. He looks the part here in year three. I will say that. Yeah, he looks good. Um, he's at the front of the line, um, which is, uh, you know, his personality has grown into that uh, more than anything. And plus you had guys like uh, Ellis Brooks and, and uh, Brandon Smith and, and, you know, those veteran presence ahead of him. And he had to, sit back and watch those guys lead and figure out how he can be the best leader, uh, how he can absorb all that and be the best leader of himself. And I, I think we're starting to see him turn that corner um, to, to go with his physical gifts and to go with where he's at. Now he's going to have to step up and, and play in a little bit more traffic. He's going to be a, a little bit different situation, um, but I think he's a talented kid. I think he can handle it. And, and it's good to see him where he's at, I think becoming a team leader rather than just, just a position, a position leader guy. We've talked about some takeaways from from what we saw here uh, at team practice. One thing that popped up today, though, um, Sean, unrelated to the roster, uh, another addition uh, in an analyst role. Penn State's had some notable ones this offseason um, and a former head coach at the FCS level. Yeah, Danny Rocco, former Penn State uh, letterman, uh, is now a Penn State analyst. They've added some guys in, in this position or in, in a similar position in an off-field role that you can sort of work with some players and and maybe even do some recruiting and things like that. Uh, there's different rules for different guys. But, uh, yeah, adding Rocco to, to guys like Dan Connor and you mentioned Charles Walker coming back, that staff continues to get bigger and bigger. James Franklin was asked about that today, and it's it's kind of keeping up with everything that they're trying to do with the rest of college football. And 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 to add a letterman is a bonus. He talked about adding Alan Zemitis to the recruiting team and how that kind of changes some things. You know, you don't uh, I, you don't have that connection with Franklin. You know, I know he's a Pennsylvania kid, but he, you never had the Penn State connections with him. So adding any sort of uh, you know, connection with uh, with Letterman and, and and to the to the program's past, I think can really benefit because that's a I don't want to say a blind spot, but that's an area that just he didn't have to deal with uh, or he hasn't had to deal with it here. So bringing in guys like him, bringing in guys like Dan Connor, you can get a little bit so, sort of that perspective from the from from inside the house. 
Yeah, that's one thing Franklin pointed to with some pride today was saying some of the lettermen that they brought in during recent off seasons. And, and Connor, of course, one of the headliners coming in here 2022. Sean, along with the activities on the practice field, it was a busy recruiting day on campus, as you reported this morning. Um, players coming and going these days at Penn State. Yeah, it's a spring recruiting weekend or spring recruiting days. So weekends, uh, weekdays, you're going to have guys pop up. Tyreek Blanding was on campus today, the defensive tackle from from New York City. Christ the King actually had about 15 guys on campus. Uh, a couple of other guys in town this weekend, or excuse me, this week, uh, Ryan Corey is an offensive lineman who just picked up an offer from Oregon, uh, from Pine Richland in, uh, in Western Pennsylvania. So you're going to have these guys trickle in. Uh, it was a Fairly busy weekend. Andrew Rapelier was back on campus, the tight end who's committed to to Michigan. Brian Doan had an update on him on uh, on our message board at Lions twenty four seven. And the Murphy twins uh, mentioned them kind of in passing on our last episode. I uh, was waiting for was waiting for the confirmation that they were going to make it to campus because you never know. But uh, they're committed to UCLA, both defensive ends. Uh, Penn State's been recruiting them for a long time. Finally got them on campus this weekend and sort of sitting back and waiting for a decision, which probably is going to come soon because they're committed to UCLA. UCLA's quarter starts on Wednesday. Um, there's some academic uh, things to work through from the Penn State side of things. And if they can do that, they've got an opportunity to get those guys on campus uh, for the for the first summer session coming after May. So I think we'll know something very quickly in terms of the, of the Murphys. Like I said, they have been committed to UCLA, but uh, they decided to take that trip to Penn State to uh, – to sort of figure out if that's the right call and figure out if it's the the, the way that they want to swerve here right before enrolling at UCLA. And, and I think we're going to hear probably something in the next couple of days. Penn State ended up with a couple of defensive starters out of the transfer portal last year, a couple other contributors on defense out of the transfer portal. To this point, no defensive additions via transfer portal in 2022. You've got Hunter Norzad coming to town on the offensive line later this year, and then Mitchell Tinsley from Western Kentucky uh, underway with spring ball with Penn State right now at receiver. Uh, Sean, as you mentioned, a bunch of coverage from today over at lines247.com. Be sure to hop over there for the latest from Penn State spring practice, the transfer portal recruiting uh, at lines247.com. It's now time to jump into our five-star mailbag, Sean. Um, brings us a big-picture question that's very appropriate for today. Um, which unit has the most to gain this spring, offense, defense, or special teams? Uh, we like simple questions like that one. Works for us. Sim <laughs> simple <laughs> questions complicated answers but i mean i think this one's pretty obvious you got the offense i mean i know defense has some work to do with their numbers and their uh depth and things like that but offense they just flat out did not score enough points last year i mean you, you can take all the deep dives and everything you want to do but they didn't put points on the board and when they don't put points points on the board they don't put wins in the win column then you've got issues so that that offense needs to work through some things especially with the running game as we mentioned james franklin was asked about that before and it, it's a total team effort it's trout wine it's Hal, it's cider it's uh, you know it's uh it's everybody it's mike Yersich especially so that offense i think the the offensive side of the ball no question to me has the most to gain it's about making those strides and trying to figure out what they can do with what they have on campus, especially with that offensive line. Um, but yeah, they're going to have to, uh, they're going to have to figure some things out. There's new coordinators on defense and special teams, but yes, the, the obvious and, and right answer here is offense. And I think also you think about what you're gaining that's through personnel. That's through acclimation with new guys on the roster. That's through finding who's going to fit and who may not this year. And on offense, you added nine new players in January. Defense, you added one. So you have a lot more to gain in that aspect. And I think particularly when you talk about the talent as well, 
couple of those five stars in, in different rooms. Uh, you've had a nice little in, uh, some speed that has been added to your receiver group. Can you can you make any of that count here in 2022? Remains to be seen. But I think at the crux of this, you got the Yersich and Clifford dynamic. But to me, it's a lot more about those pieces that have come and gone. You're saying goodbye to a guy who was the favorite target for the last couple of years in Jahan Dotson. Um, and now you're saying hello to what you figure could be a very valuable weapon right off the bat in Nick Singleton and maybe the, the future cornerstone of this program and a guy like Drew Aller. And by the way, J.B. Nelson, uh, someone who was factored into the two deep today at guard now on campus. So I think from a personnel standpoint, uh, there is plenty to gain, although you have the same coaching staff in place on offense. I don't think any of them are pleased with what they put on the field last year. So this spring is just so pivotal. It was funny looking at the, cause we were talking about newcomers earlier today and I, I watched the defense, specifically the defensive line at practice today. And I'm going through my notes and I'm like, Zane Durant's the only one, like he's the only guy on defense yeah. that you can point to and say, here's a newcomer. Um, but you know, on, on offense, you've got those running backs. And as we mentioned, running backs can contribute early. You've got the quarterbacks that everybody's going to look at and see the shiny objects and things like that. That's really cool. So, yeah, I think the offense, there's no question. And, and, and James Franklin, you know, kind of said that on Monday. He, he was talking about getting the running game going. And if you, you can't do that in the summer, it's a, you're not going to get where you need to get. You know, you can do seven on seven. You can pass it. You can have your guys work together in the passing game and things like that. But the running game, these 15 practices are paramount uh, of paramount importance. And we know to getting Penn State's offense going, you need to run the football. So it's a very, very important time. Um, you got to cram as much as you can in these 15 practices and get where you need to be and um, at least get there mentally and, and then hopefully catch up a little bit more physically in the offseason. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's going to come down to the same thing. I mean, we, we, how many times did we do episodes, postgame episodes last year, um, you know, where people were frustrated with the defense and we're saying it's not the defense. The offense needs to score points. I mean, it just doesn't get more black and white than that. And obviously there's shades of greater work in there, but at the same time, if you don't score points in this, in this day and age, you're, you're out of luck. And Penn state was, uh, was, was able to, or was not able to convert those close games, those defensive struggles and things like that into, uh, in, into wins. And, and that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Practice one of the spring. We were on the field this afternoon on a Monday and, and mid to late March and practice 15 will be in Beaver Stadium with all of you, hopefully uh, watching this team. And uh, a lot of these guys making their debut in front of a Penn State crowd. Uh, a lot of work to do between now and then. Our understanding is there will be weekly practice access, which we appreciate here. Um, we'll also give you uh, the rundown from press conferences and, and player calls, expecting to speak with players and assistant coaches over the course of spring ball as well. So fresh content coming your way at Lions 24-7. Of course, right here on the podcast as well. We'll be back with another episode later this week. Sean, anything else to add? We saw a lot today, and I feel like we did a pretty good job covering our bases, but let me know if we missed something. I, somebody will let us know if we missed something, but no, <laughs> great to great to see the blue skies. It wasn't quite pads popping today, just had those little shells or whatever, but uh, uh, good to see football back in Happy Valley. No doubt. Uh, we'll be back with another episode later this week. On behalf of Sean Fitz and our producer, Lance Glenn, I'm Tyler Donahue. This is the Lions 24-7 Podcast.